Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello there, movie truthers. It's Michael Leader here, back once again with one of these lockdown specials. I'd like to welcome back David Jenkins, head honcho of Little White Lies. David, welcome. Hey there. So this is almost a strange full circle sort of pod. I remember nearly three months ago now, we sat down and did this first lockdown special where we wondered what would be the future of the cinema-going experience. And here we are again now where the future of the cinema-going experience, if the government have any say, is to reopen and start going back in July. I think you, you, you need to refer to that early pod by its official title of, of the dad pod. Oh yeah, um, the classic dad pod. The, the classic dad pod. We 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 did we we had we had a fair bit of positive fan mail about that one. So uh, and people asking for a for for a for a second episode. So this 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 might even be it in a, in a sort of weirdly unofficial way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does feel like it's a lot of a lot has happened since then. Or there's been a kind of weird void in 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 that space where we've been sort of waiting for things to happen. And and this is our first pod where things are actually happening in terms of cinemas you know get, getting getting back on their feet and you know see, seeing seeing sort of movement in that in that general area and obviously lots of discussion about how it's going to happen when it's going to happen should it happen everything really so yeah not, not to start us off on too flippant a point but uh, it's 31 degrees today uh, in in south london where i am and i'm hankering for the air-conditioned atmosphere of the cinema Maybe on my own, just to cool down more than anything. Same, just just without a film on. <laughs> yeah. But we th- we thought that in order to talk about this process of cinemas opening up again, we should bring on um, another expert voice onto the podcast. So I'd like to welcome Jason Wood, creator, director, film and culture at home up in Manchester. Uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome. Thanks. Uh, nice to see you both. And um, thank you for having me. The magazine's kept me going through the lockdown the reading material so very very nice to be here and i agree you know it for once it's hot in manchester which happens very rarely uh, and i'm also longing for uh the the comfort of uh, an air-conditioned cinema screen how's lockdown been for you um it's actually been incredibly incredibly busy um i mean like most venues we we closed um immediately when the government told us to close so you know, we're going into 12 weeks of lockdown, but there's been lots to do behind behind the scenes. You know, as an organisation, we've been preparing ourselves for mothball, then gone through the process of preparing ourselves for what a new programme might look look like once we do reopen. 
we've obviously had to react to some changes in the industry, which I think we're probably going to talk about, such as you know partnerships with online part uh, online content providers and and online activities with some really good organisations like Bird's Eye View and Reclaim the Frame. Um, but we have unfortunately. You know, th this this COVID nineteen is going to be very brutal for a lot of arts organisations. Home is obviously a uh, a culturally led organisation that receives public public body funding, um, and for organisations like Home, and we're not alone. Uh, there is no going back to where we were before. There, there's going to be some brutal repercussions um, that, that that are going to be necessitated. I mean, as you know, Michael, you visited. I'm not sure if you've been, uh, David. I know Adam Adam's been up. We're not only we're not only five cinemas. We're also two, two galleries and two theatres. So we're a multi arts organisation. And as I'm sure you've both been following, theatres are, are not going to be putting on any productions until February March next year. So the theatre sector is really badly hit. But cultural organisations, you know, we haven't had a lot of government support. We've been lobbying for government support. The furlough scheme was obviously a blessing, uh, so that we could furlough staff. But we face huge financial challenges when we return. There's, there's no two ways about it. Sorry to be bleak. <laughs> no, that, that, that's a very comprehensive start. David, I don't know if you wanted to jump in with any of your questions for Jason to begin with. Yeah, I mean, you know, what, I, I guess I'm interested to know, Jason, from like, because obviously you, you, you're a, for, for those who don't know, Jason, uh, you, you're a programmer who, um, from my experience of, of what you of your kind of career you, you, you know you're not someone who is kind of uh, with an eye purely on the bottom line when it comes to cinema programming you are you're invested in the culture you're a cinephile you're interested in a uh, diverse array of films and you know you're passionate about getting those films out there and I, I, I do, do you feel that 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 you're going to have to maybe suppress that side, and and maybe all cultural organisations are going to have to suppress that side, and the idea of like giving you know creating a challenge for yourself is going to be a, more of a difficult thing to do in this kind of strange new world. Well, firstly, thank you for the kind comments; they're much appreciated. I mean, as you know, I, I come from a kind of quasi-commercial background. I was at Picture House for years and at Curzon for years. And when I was at both of those organisations, the idea was was to play interesting films that also attracted audiences. Um, when I went to home, the idea was to be purely led by culture and not led by commerce. But what we've managed to do in five years at home, and as an organisation, we're not alone in this. You know, there are there are many other cinemas I could mention, and by mentioning some, I leave others out, and they'll be infuriated. You know, infuriated. But you know, cinemas like Watershed Bristol, Glasgow Film Theatre, Showroom Sheffield. Hermas Edinburgh, you know, Broadway, Nottingham, these great cinemas up and down the country, others in London as well, you know, the Prince Charles, the Barbican, the ICA. Um, I think what we've managed to do is that we've managed to prove that you can, by being culturally led, you can also be commercial. Um, unfortunately, when we went into lockdown, we, we'd had our most successful period ever, and that includes the 25 years that the Corner House was in existence. We were really knocking it out the park, and we were knocking it out the park not by playing the more commercial films, by playing the same films that we'd always shown. Obviously, Parasite had done incredibly well, as it had done everywhere. But we were also still in the week leading up to lockdown, having sell-out screenings in our big screen, which is 240 seats, of Alviva, Spanish and Latin American Film Festival. So we'd always had a non-compromised programme. But I also think it's important 
to not go the other way and refuse to show something which also happens to be commercial. You know, I was a really big fan of, of Us. I was a really big fan of Get Out, more commercial films. And I believe that, you know, cinema should be a broad church. Um, and, and, it, and, it, and it should it should play a film which is it is going to attract audiences you know it needs it needs to be that balance but i'm pessimistic about lots of things but i'm actually quite optimistic about the film program we're going to have going going back i mean again i'm sure this is another of your questions we're, we're hearing now that other cinemas are going to going to open in july for a venue like home and some of the other ven- venues i mentioned july is not a great time because it's when the blockbusters are and just by by what we do in terms of our function in the community and our cultural function and the provisions of the funding that we receive from organisations like the BFI and the Arts Council England, we have various KPIs that we have to hit, which is quite a dull term, but it just means having a broader cultural remit, which isn't just about selling as many tickets as possible. Um, so the opening in July, it's one reason why we're not looking at a July opening, but there also, at the moment, there aren't the films there. There's obviously Mulan, Kristen Nolan's Tenet, which I absolutely would play. You know, we've played the other Kristen Nolan films. That's now there for July 31. What, what we're looking to do when we do reopen in September, hopefully September 4th, is we're going to open with some of the films that would have been, if you like, manna from heaven for our audiences that, that bypassed their theatrical release or had their theatrical release curtailed. So The Perfect Candidate, Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am, The Truth, the Coriator film, The Assistant, which I think is a really important film by Kitty Green. Um, as long as there's a DCP of it, never rarely, sometimes always, by Eliza Hitman. You know, we, we want to continue to play the films that would have been important to our audiences Anyway, um, we also want to resuscitate Viva. As I said, we were halfway through our Viva season, so we, we want to reopen with Viva. We, we, we feel that we have enough audience loyalty and we've established ourselves firmly enough in the community and I think also nationally and potentially internationally to, to, to not necessarily have to immediately start thinking about we need to start making changes to the way that we programme. I think what we will need to do short-term Obviously, we are going to be impacted by social distancing. So at the moment, they've now relaxed the rule from two metres to one metre. But what that effectively means, it means we're operating at a 30% capacity. So we effectively, my maths is not good, we effectively go from about 510 seats to about 120, which brings huge, huge challenges. But we, we are not going to be, for example, looking to play just one film across all five screens. We are going to have the same vibrant offer the same diverse offer we also want to make sure that we're still speaking to a lot of issues which have been very current you know i mentioned the assistant and i mentioned never really sometimes always obviously one of the most important things which has happened during lockdown is the black lives matter um discussions which have been taking place and we want to also try and speak to that we, we want to show films like clemency which is coming out in july through modern films and we also are trying to negotiate to be able to do some screenings of spike lee's the five bloods so so we we, we really don't see um that we we, we are going to compromise uh having said that um you know, we also want to play films that are going to attract audiences. And I think that I, I always try and be very honest about what I do and the mistakes I've made. And I made a mistake not playing A Quiet Place um, when it was released. So when we reopened, we probably would play A Quiet Place too, And we'd probably do a screening of the first one 
um, which I still I watched it again the other day and I still think it's an exceptional piece of filmmaking so we would have played a quiet place too anyway um, regardless of lockdown so no uh, to answer I, I, I really don't think we'll be changing or shifting what we're doing you could ask me on again in a month and, and I'm playing um, No Time to Die in every single screen for 15 shows a day. But at, at the moment, that's 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 not the plan. You know, we, we want to we, we, from from I mean, like, like a lot of organisations, we've been doing lots of audience surveys. Um, we've been talking to our audiences about what they want. And, and, and you know, again, the, the lockdown has brought so many challenges. But one of the things it has and again, not just for home for other venues is we've realised how well loved we are in our community you know the messages of support that we've received people deferring refunds and pledging them as, as financial contributions to the organization renewal of memberships um when during the lockdown we, we had what would have been our fifth birthday we did some online celebrations uh, and we've really realized that people love what we do and from from conducting the surveys they love what we do because of what we do and because of how we do it so we're 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 fairly confident that when we come back, we can come back with a very similar, very very similar film program. That's really heartening to hear that you're 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 showing those Manor from Heaven films from the last few months because there's been you know, discussion about whether some of these films missing out on theatrical going straight to people's homes through on demand might have been you know. A, a better situation for some of these smaller films that wouldn't necessarily have people packing out the cinemas, but you see, you still think that they're real um, audience draws and big screen experiences. I do, and, and I think that's a really good point that you make, Michael, because um, I've always been, I've always tried to be quite progressive in my approach to the online environment. I mean, without banging on about it, I mean, I was at Curzon when Curzon Home Cinema started, um, and I was always a kind of advocate of what Philip Philip Natural was trying to do, actually. Um, so, you know, unlike a lot of the multiplex organisations that insist on a 16, 16 week window, the window has never been an issue for, for, for my cinema and, and for cinemas like mine. You know, I need to stop speaking on behalf of, of other people, but it, it's never been an issue. Um, you know, and I think it was proven, you know, whenever we played a Curzon film, we still got very good audiences for it. You know, Notes on Blindness, all of the films that went day on day performed very very well with, with with our audiences portrait of a lady on fire is another example you know huge sellout attendances parasite was slightly different because they did have a window so we found even with the more and i i, I love to use the term niche because it feels like a ghettoization but even with the more more kind of niche art house really independent foreign language films we found that our audiences were not affected by the fact that they were online i think the other really big game changer was obviously the situation with Netflix, where Netflix finally relented and allowed Roma by uh, Alfonso Cuarón to play in cinemas, and we, we you know, we, we had to campaign quite hard to get the film, but we had something like fourteen sold out screenings in in screen screen one, um, and obviously the subsequent Netflix films which have been released. Um, direct. I think there was a week week's grace between the theatrical release and the online release. Things like Marriage Story, Uncut Gems, one of my favourite films from last year. Um, you know, they, they played to packed out, packed out houses. I, I think you have to credit audiences for being intelligent. And I think audiences are intelligent enough to know that, that, that they have the option of where they want to view the film. Uh, and, and I'm all for the online environment. I think it's great what, what companies like Curzon and Mubi and BFI Player have done and other companies. I also think it's great what newer initiatives such as Second Run and Modern Films, who I think I already mentioned, 
doing this screening where you, and a new wave have just done it as well with the Bruno Dumont film where you watch it online on, on the company's own Vimeo channel and then the viewer can attribute a portion of the, the virtual ticket to a cinema of their choice. I think that's really giving something back to cinemas. And, and, and you know, one of the good things about the lockdown is we've had a very, very harmonious relationship with, with, with the online companies. Um, you know, Home has done some curating for Movie, for BFI Player, especially around the Japan season, and even for Curzon. And, and, and I have to say, you know, all of those companies I've mentioned have worked very well with us, uh, giving our members discounted schemes. You know, I think, I think it's proved that the online environment and the, uh, and the physical cinema environment exists in symbiosis, in synergy, and there's no reason for them to exist in opposition. And I personally think that, you know, the other real game changer is Universal releasing Trolls World Tour because that's kind of the first time that, a, and that would have played in all five screens every show a day at, at home, of course. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's a situation where a film really did disrupt the multiplex model. And I think that when the multiplexes come back, and I'm not saying this anything other than a, a, as a comment. It's not a criticism, or a, but you know they're going to have to rethink their model because going forward, Trolls World Tour was incredibly successful, and there's nothing to say that there won't be more films now going straight onto this online environment. I mean, Artemis Fowl did it. Disney have their own channel. This is where I think we're in a, a completely new landscape, and I think the companies that take a more hardline approach to the theatrical window i think they're the ones that are maybe going to have their business model more disrupted than most can i here's a question for you this is a bit of a um hypothetical i guess i i've i've sort of just 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 complete uh, complete speculation but like i've had this kind of idea of like you know obviously i've thought a lot about what cinema is going to look like you know after the fall and uh how it's going to re-emerge what it's going to look like and I mean, I, I've just, I've just. One of the things I've wondered is whether, actually, like the opposite might happen to the thing that we might expect, which is that the 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 the, the sort of art house indie cinemas. I don't know if you even use art house as a term anymore, but like, you, you know, what I mean, the sort of the the the, the independent venues that are showing um, more diverse programs, world cinema, indie, all that, you know, the the, the those kind of this kind of films that that that, that um, you know, re- repertory cinema as well. Um, whether those places are going to be the the pl- places that 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 ex- still exist and thrive, whereas the the multiplexes that rely really heavily on numbers and you know packing them in and getting them out and packing them in again, is that's the model that's going to actually going to strain harder because you know I do wonder if if we're going to if if in when when things open up in July whether every screen in every multiplex is going to have tenant on it just just so they can get a, a a kind of baseline amount of people to through the door. Well, that that, that I mean that is the the kind of structure of the business model, and obviously the F and B mm. offer is very important. But you know, in 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 credit to give credit to the multiplexes, you know, I I think that also. You know, the, the, the multiplex operation and the independent or right house cinema operation is very different, but there are crossovers. You know, you sometimes have the independent cinemas playing some of the films that you would expect at a multiplex, and you sometimes have the multiplexes playing some of the films that you would expect at an independent cinema. I mean, Parasite is another good example, which actually did very well in the multiplexes. And I think that what you'll find, you might find that this creates a better environment for everyone. I mean, again, to go back to that idea of being progressive, I, I'm not particularly territorial. And, and and one of the things that I, I really I, I'm a really big 
I don't want to come across sounding like Werner Herzog, but I'm a really big believer in the value of culture and, and in the value of film culture. And what I really want in the UK is everybody to have access to diverse film culture and everybody to have access of a, of a broad range of film culture. And for me, if that means multiplexes playing more independent and foreign language films, that's a good thing. I would have no issue with that. I, I, would, I would actually welcome that because, you know, I, I think it's very dangerous to say only people that go to independent art house venues want to see independent art house films. You know, there are some people that live in cities where there isn't an independent art house cinema. And this is where online has probably fulfilled um, that desire. So I, I'd be really I'd be really happy if the multiplexes did change their programming policy slightly. And I think in July they're going to have to do that because obviously, you know, there's, there's Mulan and there is Tenet coming in on July the 31st. But a lot of the multiplex operators are now announcing they're going to open July 4. And there aren't a, a huge amount of films that they can play Um the UK uh, Exhibitors Association has worked really closely with cinemas. And again, I have to give praise as well to Phil Clapp at the Cinema Exhibitors Association. You know, everybody has kind of worked together to ensure that when cinemas open, there's a kind of portfolio of films that they can choose from. So, you know, a, a list of about, four, I think it's actually 450 titles has gone out to all the cinema operators. And it's a list of films which as I mentioned, had their releases curtailed. It's classic films. I know that Warners are doing a an anniversary release of Inception, which I think will play in the multiplexes. I think the multiplexes have spoken about doing some kind of classic and repertory programme. So I think initially they're probably going to change what they do. And, and it might it might kind of open their eyes to the fact, not to say that their eyes have been closed, he said trying desperately not to say anything to offend anybody, but it might open their eyes to the fact that, that there is an audience for these, for these films. You know, what you would hope is they would do that, they would keep the audience... And then when No Time to Die or whatever the next huge film is, they don't just throw out the baby with the bathwater and just go back to... Because I think it is very dangerous where you have a situation where you have a single film playing in 15 screens, four shows a day, seven days a week, and you can literally only see one film, but you have a, an opportunity to see it, you know, like 365 times. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think that serves anybody. I, I, I really don't. So I, I think that we can maybe think of this as an, as, as an opportunity for people to try things and to be a bit more diverse. I mean, I'm sure the multiplexes, uh, uh, I mean, you know, Picture House have just been very canny and they've announced the release of a film on July 10, which I'm sure you've both seen, Anna Winokur's Proxima, which is a film I, I think is exceptional, really terrific filmmaking, brilliant performance from, from Eva Green. Again, it speaks to the idea of, of wanting to look at representation of women and the role, roles that women are assigned in, in society. I, I think it's a brilliant piece of filmmaking. So I imagine that that would not only play at Picture House, who obviously are owned by Cineworld, who are a multiplex operator, but I imagine that Proxima will also be in multiplex screens. And I think if people go to a multiplex and discover a thing like Proxima, that can only be good for film culture. So I, I really hope that the multiplexes do use this use this period to maybe be a little bit more risk taking. And, and you know, and, and, and again, you know, we mentioned that idea. You know, I mentioned Get Out and Us and A Quiet Place. I think I, I personally think Christopher Nolan is a, is a very very good filmmaker. Um, and, and you know, I think the idea of Tenet being released really widely again is good for film culture. I, I, I've got no idea what it's about from watching the trailer, and I've watched it <laughs> several times. But but you know, I, I, I think that we, we do have we have challenges. There's no two ways about it. But I also think we have opportunities. And, I, and, and as I said, I think the idea of maybe trying to expand the portfolio of what people can see and where they can see it. Um, I think the idea of working more closely with with online companies. Um, working more closely as well with screening organisations, as I mentioned, you know, 
it's it's going to be tough, and I'm sure we'll talk more about some of the challenges that we face. But 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 maybe this can this can be a year zero. I mean, maybe you've just caught me in an optimistic mood. But I think you know it it, it is a challenge, uh, and that there are going to be organisations that might not come back from this. I mean, you know, if we're looking at culture in general, not just film culture, you will have seen. I think the Plymouth Sinfronia has put all its staff at risk of redundancy. I mean, even the big organisations, you know, Tate Modern, the National Theatre. You know, other organisations on the South Bank are talking about the challenges challenges that they face. There's talk of restructures and redundancies across the sector. And what the government really needs to do, it really needs to offer support. You know, I, I think the arts and culture se- sector, I think it, it I think it contributed something like £117 billion to the UK economy, which is more than the automobile, uh, more than many other industries. Yet I, I don't feel that the arts and culture sector has been protected in the same way so that is undoubtedly a challenge that we face but you know I, I think I think we have to put our hard hats on which sounds like a terrible Boris Johnson type quote <laughs> a man I loathe but you know we, we, we have to come back we have to c- try and come back strong uh, uh, and we need to be supportive and we need to we need to also be very very mindful that audiences are going to be sensitive they are going to be worried they are going to be concerned and the same with staff you know organizations like home we're opening a bit later because we want to follow all the government guidelines we also want to make sure that everybody feels comfortable and everybody feels safe and we just feel that a later opening in september not just because of the the kind of likely more available product is a time when we feel more comfortable opening i mean i was just reading before i came on on twitter prince charles um cinema which i love has just announced they're also going to be september so i think there is a kind of dichotomy between the multiplexes and I'm sure some of the boutique chains will now start to announce their openings. Picture House have announced July 10. But I think you will find that most of the kind of independent or art house cinemas, however you want to call them, will also be looking at that September period. And, and I think it's because we want to make sure that we get it right. Because if we open too early and we get it wrong, it will be very hard to win back the trust of audiences. And we don't want to run that risk. We also don't want to put the lives of people at risk. And, and I think that opening in July, there's a danger of of doing that personally i think i think july is slightly early but you know i wish people that open in july i wish them every luck and you know they're in many ways kind of testing the waters for those that are going to come after life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. You're painting quite a, a detailed picture there of the exhibition sector, the cultural sector. You did mention that you've also been responding to member feedback across the home members. Um, you say you want to maintain that trust. Do you have a sense of their appetite? Are they chomping at the bit to get back in cinemas or are they willing to wait? They're chomping at the bit, but also, um, you know, a lot of the uh, analysis which has been done, and we've done this analysis both in collaboration with some of our kind of, they're not partner venues, but our colleagues, but also in collaboration with organisations like Art Council England and the BFI. Um, And I'm not a corporate company type person, but I do have to give huge credit for the BFI for the way they've reacted during this. They've been incredibly supportive. Um, Ben Luxford, head of the, you know, BFI audience uh, network that has, has been very receptive um, he's listened to us you know we have we have gone to the BFI with a kind of strategy that would would hopefully generate some 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 revenue for us over the next three years through what is going to be a difficult trading period to allow us to continue to 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 trade as cultural organizations to allow us to have the kind of programs we've spoken about and the BFI have, have been the BFI have been have been have been very good in that, um, but from speaking to our audiences, you know the other thing we have to remember, and this was part of some of the the BFI audience surveys and the survey that we undertook with the Independent Cinema Office, who've also been excellent through this, Catherine DeForge and her team, is you know different audiences have a kind of different reaction to when they feel comfortable. So older audiences who are more at risk, they're slightly more reticent to come back. And they kind of suggested that they will feel more comfortable once they know that everything is in place. And there's a lot that needs to be done. You know, cinemas that are opening in just over a week, I'm sure they prepare. But there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of PPE, social distancing, the sanitisation, the not very interesting on the podcast, but access to toilets. I mean, home is really lucky because we're a modern building. We we kind of are quite equipped to get up to speed quite quickly, but not not every venue is gonna 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 find it as easy. So you know, when we've spoken to our audiences and we have a very broad demographic, we have found that the older audiences are slightly more reticent. The younger audiences are more, if you like, yep, we want to come back as soon as you're open. But they are also very clearly communicating to us they want to come back as soon as it, we're open, as long as they feel safe. Um, and without turning this into a kind of political, I, I, I'm not sure that everybody does feel safe with the guidelines that they're being given by the government. I, I don't think there's a huge amount of trust for the way that government has led us through this crisis. And I still think that even some of the younger people still have slight, some slight concerns. I think the, the, the other thing, you know, another very good organisation that I've been following what they're doing is We Are Parable, who are an organisation that, that are kind of committed to uh, films by people of colour and holding discussions about issues relating to, to, to the black UK and black African American experience. And also at the moment, you know, there's a lot of scientific evidence that suggests that BAME audiences are more at risk from coded. So there's a sense that they're going to be slightly more reticent to come back. So, you know, I, I, I think that, that all venues have a responsibility to, to weigh up all of these factors before they feel they're ready to open their doors to the public. And, you know, when we open the doors, it is going to be a very different operation. There's going to be, you know, online ticketing. There's going to be, as I said, I mentioned the reduced capacity. There's going to be, you know, not only are we going to have, we going to have um, less seats to sell, 
because of the time to turn around screenings with cleaning and sanitization, we're going to be able to do less screenings daily, which is something else the multiplex is going to have to contend with. So we're going to be able to have less shows. We're going to need staff to get people in and out, you know, the access, the toilets, as I mentioned. It, it's not going to be as simple as just opening the doors. You know, at the moment, we're still following government advice on whether masks need to be worn by, by audience members and staff members. We, we, we genuinely, you know, I'm not just saying this as politic, we genuinely want everybody to feel comfortable and that is audiences and staff you know everybody needs to feel comfortable to come back um so yeah and we're working to we're, we're very much working towards that and there are new announcements each day you know we're following everything that's going on we've set september 4 and and and, and that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna stick to and I, I think you know i think what you also will see uh david and michael i think you'll see over the coming weeks more films going on to the calendar so at the moment, you know, there are some films for September. September 4, I've already mentioned A Quiet Place 2. There's discussion with, with, with certain distributors about other titles that might come in. I hope I'm not breaking any confidences. If I am, uh, you can contact my lawyer at dot, dot, dot. Uh, we're in discussion with the BFI about the restoration of Lahaine, which was going to happen in July, now happening in September, September 11th. We're talking to a lot of the kind of really forward-thinking independent distributors who have got titles, so... Um, Altitude are talking about a release date for Rocks. You know, so so these films are going to more and more. The, the, the release schedule at the moment is is a bit of a desert, but it's soon going to become very quickly populated with some fine films. And I'm sure at the moment you're both obviously enjoying the online virtual delights of Docfest and and Master Film, and there'll be films which will come out of that. You know, I, I'm one of the things that I am confident about is that whenever cinemas open, whether it's July or whether it's September there'll be plenty of options for audiences to choose from. And whether it is new films, films that they never got the chance to experience on the big screen, you know, I, one thing I am confident of is there will be a very good range of titles for them to come and see. I, I've got a, uh, I've got a kind of, this might even be considered a, a round-off final question, but harking back to those uh, super fun daily COVID announcements with the, with the government... Or, 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 in fact, harking back to pretty much every uh, Radio Four interview with a with a scientist or an expert, um, you know, when, when they're being asked, is when, when will the cure be available? When when will we have uh, when will we have a vaccine? I guess my question to you is, when will when will cinemas be back to normal? And and will they be back to normal? That's a that's an exceptional question, David. And. Uh, um... You know, I, I, I've used, I've trotted out this quote before, and 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 I'll trot it out again. I mean, I, I've become, you know, there's certain phrases that everyone has grown sick of. Unprecedented, I think, is one of them. Normal is another phrase. The new normal is another is another phrase. You know, these are all phrases. I I I I think that there will be a return to a a film culture that we've come to love in this country and value. And I think we also have to stress how important culture is in general. I mean, at the moment, you know, we've we've not only had COVID-19, we've had the terrible incidents involving, you know, in America with George Floyd and incidents in the UK. So we have a a, a world at the moment which is really in flux for for multiple reasons. Uh, And as well as I said about the fact that, you know, I think we can come back and we can try and work together, we can try and build a better environment. I think we also need to come back as curators and audiences with a willingness to engage with some of these issues. So although I'm not sure things will, will be back will be back to normal, I, I think there will be a sense that what we did before 
it isn't enough just to do it again. We, we, we have to be more engaged with what's happening in society. We have to be more engaged with engaging with issues relating to, to class, sex, race, gender. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I, I almost don't want it to go back to normal because I think the world has to change and I think the world, the world has to move on. The, the, the phrase I was going to kind of trot out, which I used before, as much as I want to be optimistic... Much as I I, 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 I am optimistic and, and, and much as I'm kind of excited about what the new cinema climate and cinema landscape can can bring, I think we do also have to be clear and realistic. You know, I mentioned some of the, the, the kind of organisational casualties that we might see, but we do also have to be very clear that we are we are in a whole new world for various reasons. And that's reasons to relating to the fact that people have now become used to this online environment, which I'm all in favour of. Uh, the other thing I mentioned about the online environment, if I may, is I think it's great that some of these films that may have come out and maybe not got the mainstream media t- attention that they would have got have now enjoyed that. I mean, I think it's great that films like, I keep mentioning them, but The Assistant and Never Rarely Sometimes Always have been lead reviews. And, you know, you could argue, well, they might have been lead reviews before. I'm not sure they would have been. Maybe in uh, you know, Little White Lies and Sight and Sound. But I think in some of the more broadsheet, you know, mainstream media, they may have been overlooked. And I think a spotlight has been shined on those films. And we have to grab that spotlight and keep the spotlight on those films. But, you know, we do have to be clear that the, the challenges I've mentioned are are, are huge. Um, and, and these are the financial challenges. They're the financial challenges of running a venue. I mean, the cost of operating a venue like Home and BFI Southbank, who I was talking to today, Barbican, who I've been speaking to, you know, a, a lot of people have come together and we've had weekly discussions. The, the cost and the logistics of running these venues is huge. So, you know, there is a there is a necessity for audiences to support us and to respond to what we do, and we need to do we need them to do it quite quickly. You know, if, if we find that they may they may not come back straight away. There's nothing to say they're going to come back that first weekend or the second weekend or the third weekend or the fourth weekend. But the reality is, David, there needs to be a weekend because cinema is measured in weekends, as you know, box office grosses. There does need at some point to be a weekend where they decide to come back. And if they don't have that moment where they decide to come back, that's when I think we're in trouble. Wow, Jason, thank you so much for giving us all of that privileged expert advice and information there i mean hopefully the, the audiences will come back uh, in, in good time and it's great to know that the films will be there waiting for them and some of the institutions will be there with open arms although at a distance uh, and also i, I want to thank you know little white lies is is great you know you've always supported the kind of films that we're passionate about um you know and it's in its organizations and publications like yours that, that enable audiences to find films so you know, and and so I'm grateful to the work that that, that you do at your 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 organisation as well. Oh, thank you, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and David as well. It's always a pleasure to chat, listeners. Let us know if if any of the chat from the, the today's episode has sparked anything for you. If what films you'll be going back to see when you feel comfortable going back to cinemas what needs to change before you will feel comfortable at the usual channels at truth and movies on twitter truth and movies at tcolondon.com via email or at the comments section at lwlies.com slash podcast jason david thank you so much for chatting with me this evening i'm michael leader and as always this has been a seven digital production even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.